Using an overpriced trash bag. Pricey, pricey, pricey. A bag that breaks. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy. Or a smelly bag. Stinky, stinky, stinky. You gotta snag Hefty's Ultra Strong Trash Bag. Always at an ultra low price. Hefty, hefty, hefty. It has Arm & Hammer odor control, so your nose and your wallet will be... Happy, happy, happy. Hefty Ultra Strong Trash Bags. Hefty Strong, all day long. Hefty, hefty, hefty. Welcome to episode 140 of the SND Podcast Show. You just listened to another brand new song of Division 1.1. It's called Heaven. It's off their album, United We Brawl, their brand new album. Make sure you get your copy today from Division 1.1 or just contact us and we'll make sure to hook you guys up. Um, that being said, uh, Dan's going to have to take another week off due to a little medical uh, issue that he's been having. Uh, but we're going to welcome in a guest host this week for the first time. 140 episodes it took to get you. 139, actually, because you're on 140. But T-Bone is finally joining us. Woo! Hey, T-Bone. Hey. It's about time. <laughs> How have you been? How's everything? Uh, been good. Been good. Been waiting for this invite for a long, long time. Every, every time we try and get... We, Dan and I go, hey, let's have T-Bone on. It becomes something else. Some, Always. Somebody else comes on and ruins T-Bone. That's what it is. And, uh, and like it... And then it never even gets to the point where I get an invite. Yeah, it's just too much goes on in the show. But yeah. we finally got you on. Finally. Finally. Um, Yankees are actually playing well, so great day to have you on. Um, WWE is huge. T-Bone's a huge WWE guy. Yep. Uh, for those who don't know, when we kind of tried that blog site, T-Bone was the Yankee guy for us. So he's very into them. So we'll talk about them later on. I think it was successful. I thought it was successful. I just nobody read it. <laughs> it, was, it was successful that, just no that, one read it that would yeah that would probably wait but then how was it successful <laughs> because on our end on what we saw was successful okay. we got people to do something that's true and it's and, very hard to get those people to do something right especially the people we had doing it but <laughs> yeah it was a tough time so but hey it's fine. Uh, Timo and I, our friendship goes back a long time from the Blue and Orange Army. T-Bone's one of the original guys. We're going to talk about that a little bit later on. Uh, we'll get T-Bone's take on the move for the Blue and Orange Army from Long Island to Brooklyn. Um, and also talk a little Islander offseason. But that's going to be later. A uh, little promoting right now. Uh, don't forget, we're on iTunes. Subscribe to us. Rate us. Like us. Favorite us. Whatever it's called. Just comment. Be nice to us. Um we're on SoundCloud now also. We're no longer on Podbean. I believe today was the day. Uh, we're recording on 526 that they told me that they're shutting our account down. So if you could find them, great. If you can't find our old episodes, we apologize. Just let us know. We can find some old episodes for you guys. Um, but SoundCloud has our new episodes. We have our Welcome Back Dan show from a couple weeks ago. We have our little promoting show that we did. And as well as we did a live show from Roxy and Dukes. Thank you to Roxy and Dukes for having us. Uh, but mainly thank you to Division 1.1 for having us. Because that was their night. They rocked. It was awesome. They were on the show with us. Um, keep in mind, we're still learning. So Dan and I had some technical difficulties. But we made it all work. And I think the show came out great, to be honest with you. Um, I know Dan agrees. Um, like I mentioned, Dan's a little out with, uh, he's sick this week. Uh, he's having a little issue with the Crohn's again. Uh, get well, buddy. We love you. Um, get well. 
like I said, um, check out our Facebook page. There's a link to, to donate money. Uh, he's still raising money for the walk. It's June 12th at, uh, what's the park called? Post Park in, uh, in Massapequa. Um, so if you could raise some money, anything helps. Also, we probably won't do a show for about two weeks now after this one. Uh, take next week off. You guys know it's summertime. We take a couple more weeks off in between shows. Um, so what we're going to do is you listen to the show. Dollar gets donated to Dan. For every listen we get to, till the next show, a dollar gets donated to Dan. Um, so help him out. So share the show, listen to the show, and like I said again, share the show. Not just so everyone can actually listen to us, but also so that people will help us raise some money for Dan. Um, other than that, Facebook, Instagram, Snap, not Snapchat, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, S&D Podcasts. Like us, follow us, like our pictures like our stuff we're also selling s&d podcast t-shirts twenty dollars just message either dan or i or message the podcast itself um we will make sure to get you a t-shirt out right away uh we accept paypal nice and easy send us twenty dollars we send you the shirt pretty simple task right yeah it's pretty, pretty simple i think most people could figure that one out i mean you'd be pretty dumb not to figure that out it's 2016 figure out figure out paypal <laughs> that's the way i see it that's my theory on PayPal. All right. So, like I mentioned, T-Bone's a big wrestling fan, and this week was Extreme Rules for WWE uh, this past Sunday. Usually we have Jay on uh, with us, uh, but we're going to have T-Bone on. And first and foremost, I know you missed Extreme Rules, but I'm going to stay for the record. Pay-per-view of the year. That's what I've been told. I mean, I've heard so many good things about Extreme Rules, and... You know, reading what happened during it, it just sounds like it was just one of the best pay-per-views that they've put on in a long time. It could have guaranteed pay-per-view of the year if they took out the women's title match because that was just boring. <laughs> I, I feel it like seems it always is. I feel like the problem with the women's title matches is that the only stipulation that they could make it to make it interesting is a submission match. Right. And like, how is that? How exactly is that? Interesting. When both of the submission moves are the finishers, that yeah, are their finishers, and not only that, but like it's both moves where you have to work the legs. Right. So if like you don't work the if you start punching them in the face, it's not going to really yeah. help you in the and end. And if you reverse, and you can easily reverse into one finisher <laughs> into the other finisher. Yeah, like, it, it, it just it, doesn't. Like I just don't understand. Like what happened to the older days when you know woman had no problem. Being put through a table every once in a while, right? I mean, I feel like let's they have need like to extreme rules. <laughs> yeah, like I don't really see what the issue is with having them put themselves through that much agony since they already do. Like they want to be on the same. I mean, really think about it. Women nowadays, they want to be on the same level as men, the same competitive level. Right. But then in wrestling, you know, you see that the talent is there, but like they're still not really at the same point where like. They're where it seems like they're willing to risk it all. Like, you don't really see that. Like, multiple times during the lead up to Extreme Rules, the only thing you saw was, like, Charlotte put the, uh, what is it, the figure eight? Or right. maybe it was just the figure four right. on top of the announce table. Right. There was I mean, nothing exciting. Ooh. Right. And even, even when they fought at the pay-per-view before that, it wasn't worthwhile, like... 
ooh, Bret Hart was at the ring. That was the most exciting yeah. part of that whole I, match. I mean, and, like, the thing is that, like, you know, both of them, Charlotte and Natalia, they're very talented wrestlers. Right. But they can't, like, you can't really put on a match for that long just off of, like, their talent in the ring. Because I feel like in women's wrestling, you just lose that, like, wow factor in the match. Because right. there's no... There isn't one. Well, they do it in between a big match that they had. With, I believe it was in between the, um, was it the in Asylum be- yeah, match and, yeah, and, and the, the, world, and title the match. world title match. Yeah. So it's basically a, it's all like right, the, here's your bathroom break match. Yeah, it's the break match. It's the match where you, you want to have like a lull. You got to get them on a downswing before you get them back up to right. the you world just, title you just match. Had, you just had a huge match, and the Asylum match was great. But I'm going to I'm gonna tell you right now, hands down, match of the night was the IC title match. There wasn't a moment in that match. How many times have you and I messaged each other, both watching wrestling at different places, where, all right, this guy's going to win. Easy. No question. At the end, this is the guy who's going to win. Or even the world title match. We knew Roman Reigns was going to go... Come out of that match, and you knew exact, and you knew pretty much exactly how he was going to come out of that match. Right, ninety nine percent of the time, it's a spear out of nowhere. Right, is it going to be because Styles misses like one of his Pele kicks? Right, you just didn't know or how it just was going to happen. Four- yeah, um, but the IC title match, literally the entire match, every guy, you never knew who was going to hit who, who was going to hit whose finisher on who. And who was going to end up winning that match? It never once felt like Miz was actually going to walk out of there. I mean, I think the thing is, though, is that the Fatal 4-Way basically sets up that the Chief Heel will walk out as the champion at the end of the day. Because always, I mean, this is just my opinion, but, you know, you always figure, you know, bunch of chaos, nothing but chaos. That's what that match was. It was a chaotic match. You're always going to have the opportunistic heel, the guy that stays out of the fight for the majority of it, or takes like a shot to the face and then is like out cold, dead for like 20 minutes of the match. Right, and then just pops up. And, and he pops done. up, hits his finisher, and then that's it. I mean, think about it. That's the Edge game plan. Right. Edge, when he was the opportunist, he always used that game plan. It was, oh, I don't really feel like fighting yet. There's 29 other guys in the ring. Let me go lay Let down. Let me go lay down, and then, you know, I'll win the Royal Rumble by throwing out, like, Santino Morella because Santino thinks he wins. Right. You know, like, something like that. So, but, okay, so out of that match, one thing I want to know is, are they past the point, in your opinion, for the the uh, Sami Zayn-Kevin Owens one-on-one rivalry match? Because Sami Zayn's been on the main roster since January. Royal Rumble, he came in. They're yet to have a one-on-one match on a pay-per-view. A big-time, one-on-one, we-hate-each-other match. Even if they already set it up that they're going to be in Money in the Bank match together. Yeah. So there goes another pay-per-view of them not fighting one-on-one. See, the, the, or are they going to get pissed off enough to finally get it eventually? The thing is, is that the way I view the Kevin Owens-Sami Zayn storyline is that the only way that they're going to actually end up facing each other head-to-head, dead-on, is because Kevin Owens initiates it. It's like Sami Zayn is about to win the money in the bank, and Owens hits, uh, and Owens, like, grabs him off the ladder, hits the pop-up, hits the power bomb, takes Zayn out of the match, then the the other guy wins. Zayn is furious because, you know, that was his opportunity. Again, Zayn shows, 
Zayn ends up short, but it's because of Kevin Owens. Zayn finally get, decides that he's had enough of Owens because Owens is always trying to cost Sami Zayn the limelight. But which I feel was like exactly that's what, what happened at NXT too. Which I which also comes back to I already think that Zayn's already pissed off enough at Owens where this was the easiest storyline for WWE to write. Came into Royal Rumble, Z- uh, Owens was in the ring. If I remember correctly, Zayn threw him out of the ring. Yeah. So. Ended his day. Yep. That pisses him off. All right, next night on Raw, he beats up Reigns. He beats up on Zayn because yeah. he's pissed off. There you go. You start the you start the the storybook right See, there. I, I think the issue is though is that the WWE knows what they have in Zayn and Owens, mm-hmm. and that they don't want to waste that kind of feud. On a non-title kind of match, you know? Okay, so Because you're just booking it for, okay, well, we're going to have a best of three between these three pay-per-views. It's not going to be for a title. So then when the title match happens, there's like, okay, the only excitement is is that this is Owen Zane round four for a title. Right. Like, you know, they're trying to... I feel like they're trying hard to keep it unknown as to like... When will they get their hands on each other? But you almost have to think that it'll be either because a title is on the line and that's when they're going to face one-on-one or it's because somebody costs someone else the title. And think about Kevin Owens. The entire the entire month since Zayn has been up here, Kevin Owens has done everything in his power to cost Sami Zayn. Took him out of the original match when he was... When he was... Uh, what was it? He was contending for uh, the to be in the main event. The main event. That was when Cesaro came back. Yeah, took him out of that. Like he's cost Sami Zayn every single chance he gets. So you just know eventually frustration's gonna boil, and you figure that money in the bank when Zayn looks like he's finally going to get that. He's finally gonna grab that brass ring that everybody says, you know. Right. And he's finally going to become Mr. Money in the Bank and make it on the big shot in the one time that he gets. Like, you know, like he's always been the guy that comes close, but never, but gets, never gets the job done. Okay, but now, now they're saying, now they already announced they're doing a brand split. So they go to this draft, they split the two of them up. You automatically lose the whole. Do you automatically lose the whole chance of having them go at each other? See, he, here's the thing. I feel like. You could split them up. You could. But at the same time, like, you'd split them up. Like, say that you put, like, Sami Zayn on Raw, Owens on SmackDown. But it's Kevin Owens. Kevin Owens will do whatever Kevin Owens wants. Right. Like, as long as there's no stipulation where, you know, SmackDown, SmackDown, Raw is Raw. There's no, there's no, like, you're not allowed to split storylines and have somebody... Switch. Be, yeah, have some. You know, if you have, if you still have the opportunity, where you can have somebody from SmackDown jump somebody from Raw or vice versa, right? That's the feud to do it. You want to have a feud that splits across the two brands that doesn't involve a title. There you go. That would be my first choice. They could, they could be the SmackDown versus Raw rivalry, you know. And that could be the yeah, exactly. And that could be the feud that goes on for at least anywhere between three months to like six months. And that could be even without a feud. I mean, without a title being involved. 
because those two guys naturally hate each other. Right. Like, look at the Ambrose-Rollins feud that basically took place the entire summer up until Bray Wyatt cost Ambrose, and they started that feud. Right. I mean, that feud's not over either. Rollins, Ambrose isn't done with Rollins, and Rollins isn't done with Ambrose. The question is, when's the next time they'll butt heads? When's the next time they're both going to be on the in the ring at the same time? Which you and I were talking off air. Ambrose wins Money in the Bank. Ambrose cut, catches it eventually against Rollins, and possibly reigns in a trip, make it a Shield Triple Threat match, which of course yeah. will be. I mean, a lot of fun. I, I feel like for the most part they're trying to make that be the main event of next year's WrestleMania. I feel like they've been looking to do that for a while now, and it's just about time that it's. Ever since the split up happened, you know, Rollins went in, stole the belt away basically from Reigns. Reigns, to be fair, had full shot of winning that belt against Lesnar that night. They said, hey, let's screw everything up. And hey, Rollins, run out there, cash in. Huge storyline. Reigns, Rollins never kind of got together because, you know, Reigns doesn't have the mic work. Yeah, I think the, the biggest issue of why they haven't been able to do that match like earlier besides like injuries is the fact that Reigns wasn't an established star, you know? And he still kinda like, isn't. I feel like, like star wise Ambrose, he is. Mike wise I'm, he's not. I mean, Wrestling I'm wise like he's star, fine. I'm saying star wise as in like the complete package, you know? Like Ambrose and Rollins can stay on the, the mic all day. Package. Yeah. They can go back and forth, make fun of each other, make fun of other people, you know. Well that was the reason for the Reigns why it Rivalry. They set that up basically so Wyatt, because let's be fair, the best guy in the business behind Paul Heyman is Bray Wyatt on the mic. Oh, absolutely. And not only that, but Bray Wyatt, when you're in a storyline with Bray Wyatt, your character is going to grow from it. Right, because of how great he is of setting things up. Exactly. I mean, you think about it. Sure, Bray Wyatt has a terrible record in feuds. He's won maybe... Maybe one. If maybe. you want to say that, maybe what, the, he's the, won a the match. The one against Jericho, I think. Does that count? Everybody I, I mean, Jericho puts Jer- everybody <laughs> over. So you know, I guess it doesn't count. But at the same time, everybody's you know, everybody's career seems to get better when when they fi- they have a three month stretch with Bray Wyatt. Yeah, I mean, if you think and about- it stinks. You know what? Honestly, in my personal opinion, it stinks because I think Bray Wyatt needs to get. Put over himself. I think Bray Wyatt deserves every opportunity to take over that Undertaker role where he can win the title once, you know, have him win the title and then lose it a couple times, whatever. That's fine. But still, he deserves that opportunity to be the guy. Like Rain says, the guy. See, I, I think the thing with Bray Wyatt, though, is because of the fact that you have so many, like, weak heels at this point. I mean, think about it. Your only established heels are Seth Rollins, um, Bray Wyatt, and Kevin Owens. Those are the only three heels that you actually get like a solid reaction from from the crowd. Is it both positive and negative? Yeah. But like those are three top heels. Like you don't want to mess with with them. And like that's the thing. Like Bray Wyatt is good at what he does. Like he he's great with the Wyatt family. He's solid without the Wyatt family. Honest, does he deserve a title run? Absolutely. Does he deserve to win these feuds? 
I don't know. I mean, because the way that he's booked right now is that he's in that phase of he's like he's the villain. Like he's a guy that will put you to your limit and then some. And you have to push back. Right. He did that with Brian. Did that with Cena. Did that with Ambrose and Reigns. Every feud that he's been in has been where like he's pushed them to the limit. And think about it. We finally had the opportunity where you had the feeling Bray Wyatt's actually going to win a feud. Taking on the League of Nations. And then what happens? Bray gets hurt. Harper gets hurt. They split up the League of Nations. Well, what's his name? Got really, what's his name got fired. Who's King Barrett. Name? King Barrett got fired. No, oh, he, he left. He left. <laughs> he left. left. His contract. Well, the report was his contract was up by his by like summer. I think was up. It in was like June, a, something like that. So, right? but so like he asked to be released early, right? Because he apparently had something lined up or something like that. Who knows? Yeah, but, but I, I mean, but you still could have had a solid feud between the League of Nations. Of and the like YFM. Seamus, yeah. And the YFM. But for the love of, if speaking out releasing and firing, please get rid of Chris Jericho. <laughs> so sick of Chris Jericho. He's just annoying at this point. I understand he's got to put guys over, but who else is there to put over that's in, on the roster right now? What, is he going to wait for Finn Balor or Samoa Joe to come Well, in? he's, I mean, I think now he's going to put over, actually, you can't even say that he's going to put over Apollo Crews because it looks like Crews is lined up with a feud with Sheamus, which, you know, you see a feud like that and you're just like, what? Sheamus like, is the type of guy who also, you know, he'll lose a match and then beat up a guy, you know? Yeah. But, it, of course, it looks like starting like she- Monday you're going to get the, uh, the scene of Rusev feud back together. Which, you know, that's not a, actually a problem to me. I mean, Cena's in his prominent role of being Captain America. Right. Here to save here to save the country once again from another, you know, another villain from outer... Well, out, no longer from Russia. Now he's Belgian. Yeah, now he's Belgian <laughs> again. But, like, it, you know, like he's... No, wait, no, he's Bulgarian. Oh, sorry. Bulgarian. Bulgarian, yes. But, like, you he's, know... I mean, Cena, Cena thrives in that role, and it's for a mid-card title, so like people can't even be upset about that. Right. And say that Cena wins the title, and you go back to having the Open U.S. Challenge. Open Challenge. I mean, let's face it. During that time frame, that was the best 15 to 20 minutes of Raw every single every week. week. Yeah. Cena versus Cesaro. Cena versus Zayn. Cena versus Owens. Like. You know, Neville. Like, that, you name that was, that these was guys. The, that was the way to bring before. NXT guys up, in my opinion. Yeah. That's a good way to do that. And and th- that's also where, like, they didn't even have to win the match either. Right. Cena you and knew Cena was always going to win. Yeah, but whoever Cena faced, like, he like it was a dramatic it, match. It was, oh, so it was like Bray falls. Wyatt. Yeah. It was like Bray, Bray Wyatt. The guy's going to put, other than the the winning part, like the only difference was that he always that uh, Cena always won, but Bray Wyatt would basically take him to the limit, make him go as much as he can, and be like, "Wow, this guy, this guy's a real deal." I mean, ba- yeah, basically the difference between Cena and Bray Wyatt is that Bray Wyatt pushed you to your limit, and then that was it. The other way around is you're pushing Cena to his limit, and there's just no end to that, you know? Right. Like you just keep seeing him continue to 
kick out at two after like four code breakers, walls of Jericho, Lions, you know, like you name every single finisher that somebody could actually hit, and Cena still kicks out at two and a half. Right. But like that's just how it goes, you know. Cena's the resilient guy that's not gonna give up easily, and that's what that's that's why he's, in my opinion. One of the best, like, in-ring storytellers. And that match between him and Bray Wyatt at at WrestleMania, to me, was one of the greatest storytelling matches I have ever seen. Right. Alrighty. Well, with that being said, since we could talk WWE all night. Yeah, we we (laughs) definitely could. Uh, We're going to go play a little more Heathen from Division 1.1 right now. And we're going to come right back. And the Yankees lost today. So we're going to discuss that and more about the New York Yankees. Got to hang out with the boys from the 4th Line Faithful. They're doing something pretty unique for all you Yankee fans out there. They're your one-stop shop for affordable gear, so head over to 4thLineFaithful.com right now. That's the number 4LineFaithful.com. And also make sure to follow them on Twitter at 4LineFaithful. Follow up on all the great gear, and also check out the events that will start hosting soon. Alrighty, welcome back to episode 140 of the S&D Podcast Show. Once again, that was Division 1.1 with Heaven. Right before that, uh, you heard about the Four Line Faithful guys. Uh, talking to them, we're going to work on getting them back on the show because I know they have another event coming up that actually sold out already um, in June. Um, so we're definitely going to work on getting them back on. Uh, also, a reminder, hopefully everything works out, knock on wood. And sometime in July, we'll be doing our live show, and hopefully those boys can come down and uh, hang out. So that'll be a fun time. Um, but speaking of Yankees, um, let's let let's jump right into today. Like CC, seven innings, two solid starts in a row, three, and three if you count the one right before the DL. Are you having faith in CC again, or are you starting to believe in CC? I am, you know. I mean, um, you know, I was watching the game and he had his best fastball that he in like years got it up to 93 miles per hour. His placement was there. He he dominated the Blue Jays offense and you know, especially with the way the Yankees have been this year where they're so in need of like having their starting pitching set the tone. Having CC come back like this be strong and continue to pitch well. And this was the first time since 2011 that he's put together three straight starts of seven innings and two or fewer runs. Wow. I mean, it. I mean, having CC pitch this well is exactly what the Yankees need and desire right now with Pineda and Severino struggling and hurt. Yeah. So besides. Pineda and Severino, are you trusting the other guys in the rotation? Because they've all been pretty solid for the most part the past past like three weeks. The Yankees have been kind of hot. I mean, Tanaka's the ace, and right. he's well, pitched like it for the most part. And when he hasn't pitched like it, that's when the Yankees' offense decides, uh, eh, we're going to put up 10. Right. You know? And then Nathan Avaldi has the best stuff that I've seen from a Yankees pitcher in a long time. When you can throw 99 miles per hour consistently over six innings and be as effective as he as he's been, that's 
that just makes the Yankees even bigger winners of that deal. We went to a made. we went to a game last year, Vin Vin Julie and I, and we were at uh, and they were playing the Astros because we wanted to see the Astros. So we were there, and Avaldi was starting. I was excited because he was having a good year at that point. Um, it's right towards the end of August, and it was like the eighth or ninth inning, and the guy's at like 115, and he's throwing 100, yeah. and Vin and I are like. This guy's trying to throw his arm off. Like, this is crazy. Like, he better stop. And then the next pitch was like 80-something miles an hour. And then I was like, all right, see, that's normal for a guy at 115 pitches. Next pitch, 100 miles an hour blowing up by guys. Avaldi, you're right. I saw him a couple of times last year live. I really like his stuff. He has has the gas that can out-pitch anybody and beat anybody. And, you know, his breaking pitches when they're on, he's... Ridiculous. And he's young. Yeah, he's, he's young. young. And, you know, that trade that they made to bring him in mm-hmm. just makes makes it look like a better deal every time since he's been so good for them. Right. And he's been consistently good. It's not like he has three or four bad starts or a couple bad starts here and there. He's consistently – he's kind of similar to – if I'm going to compare him to a Met guy personally is Jacob DeGrom. If he doesn't have his best stuff – He's going to fight, and he's going to give you six innings. No question about it. And he's going to give you a solid six innings. And you're going to be happy with his start, win or lose, at the end of the day. You'll be impressed. That, oh, yeah. That's the guy who I compare Absolutely. him to. Absolutely. I mean, the best part about Ivaldi is the fact that, you know, there are days when he can throw, you know, like 105 pitches in six innings. And then there's the days like his last start this week when he was through six innings only through like 75 pitches. Like when you have that kind of control and can dominate a lineup, a potent lineup like the Blue Jays have for six innings and only th- and throw basically the bare minimum for pitches, you've got something going there and to have him in this on this roster for that long of time, if they could lock him up, Evaldi. the Yankees are set with Avaldi. Right. You have Avaldi Tanaka you know, Nova's pitched well since he, since he's been given that spot again out after the bullpen. Right. And you know, you didn't expect that. You expected Nova to be the good classic. Like he's essentially in the Adam Warren role this year. Right. Where he would pitch a few which, innings which in relief. Which he's kind of doing in a way, because you know Severino on the DL kind of makes him. He, Nova's probably going to be that guy who, go, who could be the guy who goes back into the pen. Well, if he goes back to the pen, I mean, there's also a chance where they could end up going with, with either six starters or keep Nova in the in the rotation because right. Nova's this is Nova's spot to lose right now. I think he's in full control. Right, they're gonna wait till see when Severino's like basically a week away, uh, two or three weeks away, and then they'll be like, all right, whoever loses the spot, he gets it. If if he looks good, yeah, and rehab starts, realize he was not. Good oh, at all. No, no. I mean, and this is a top prospect for your team. Yeah, and, you know, there was a stat out there. I mean, I was listening to the game, and John Sterling and Susan Waldman were talking that the Yankees. And you didn't fall asleep. When, impressive. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was driving, so that probably helped. Right. <laughs> but just between those two guys, just between Severino and Pineda, the Yankees were 1-11 and 11 in those starts. This year? Yeah, this year. Okay. You win... Four you win those. five or six Four. of those 11 losses, you're only like a game and a half out of first place. Right. That's been how the Yankee season has gone. 
those two guys, their starts have been that important. And, like, that's just the thing. Like, Nova has pitched so well. I went to uh, the first game I went to. Mm-hmm. He pitched four innings out of the bullpen, four shutout innings, picked up the save. Nice. The score was 10-5, I think, or 10-6. But he came in and it was a save, no. quote-unquote save opportunity. No, I, I don't think it was even a save. It could have been a save opportunity, but at the same time, usually when pitchers pitch three or more innings. The, w- uh, the like way it that, works is if a reliever comes in and it's within three runs and they end up finishing the game, but yeah. the score gets bigger. Whoever came in at that point, it's a save for them. That's how you. That's why you'll see some guys who come in in the sixth inning and get the saves, because they'll be up a run, they'll pitch great, and then the the team that they pitch for puts up seven runs in the next half inning. No, so they they technically came in. It's a weird rule. It's one of those. I think it's one, one of those. I think it's also like where you pit, if you pitch rules. three or more innings, and your team has like a lead of like at least. Like between two and four, then you're eligible to get the save because I think the score was, I think the score was ten six or maybe it, maybe nine six when Nova came in. It's still a dumb role that shouldn't even exist. And yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I mean honestly, the save should be held for closers and the guys who pitch in the ninth inning and you're it's three runs or less. That should be the rule. Plain simple, easy to the point. That should be the guys who well, get. Well, it the can't save. be the ninth thing. It should be just the. Closer that gets the save though, because well, you it have could be anybody. That go, yeah, right. It the could last be a, guy that pitches right, in a three-run game, right? Whoever ends the game on the mound in a three-run game. Yeah. It's like if you're if you're down a run, a guy comes in the ninth, and you end up winning in the. If you're the home team, you're down a run. You win the game in the bottom of the ninth. Yeah. Whoever's on the mound on the top of the ninth gets the win. Yep. Why didn't the guy in the fifth inning get the win when the game was tied? <laughs> right. I I mean it's I think like the, the same thing. I think the thing. other stupid rule is the fact that. You know, if the if a starter doesn't go five innings, they're not eligible to win the game. But they can still lose the game. <laughs> but but if they give up seven runs in the first inning, they lost. <laughs> yeah, but 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 I mean, like it's. But it's if they weird, throw their though. but if they break their arm in the second inning and they're up four nothing and the game ends four nothing four nothing they they don't even they get don't a decision. Even, yeah, I mean, I feel like I feel like they should change that rule to if you're pitching if you come out of the game. With the lead as the start as the starter as the starting pitcher, if you come out of the game with the lead, I mean personally, I think you should be eligible to get especially to if get you come out win. hurt. Especially yeah, if you come out hurt. hurt, I mean if you're if you're up eight nothing after the top half of the first, and you allow seven and you get kicked out after two thirds of an inning, yeah, no, you're not getting the win. No thanks. Well, to be fair, if you gave up seven. <laughs> <laughs> To be fair. But we could sit here again. Another thing we could sit here and talk about is dumb rules in leagues because we could just go through all yeah. the, the only three anybody ever really talks about and, That's true. and yeah. go through all those rules. Um, so let me, let's go back to CC a little bit. Right. Now, there's a clause in CC's contract. There's an option clause yep. that as long as he doesn't go on the DL this season in his final quote-unquote final year, he is a he has a team option for the next year. He automatically gets next year on his contract. So the clause is if he doesn't go on the DL for an arm injury. So basically he's fine already because I think it was a groin injury that he was on yeah. the DL. So so far so good. Would you mind CC if he falters a little bit again? If he if let's say he he's instead of going seven every game and 
being he, the strong like five. five or six every game. Would you consider him in the back of the end of rotation next year? Would I, you be okay with it? I, I mean, you know, to be honest with you, the Yankees really only need their starters to go six innings now. Well, yeah, that's true. Because they've got the three-headed monster of Run DMC. Is that what you're calling them, Run DMC? I I think that's what everybody's calling them now. I don't know. I saw somebody. Dylan Miller Chapman, yeah. I I saw someone calling them the. Uh, you guys used to have Murderers Row. Murderers Row, yeah. Now um now it's Murderers Murderers Throw. Uh, that's that's not bad. That's not bad. I mean, you could come There's up with There's a lot of options. Own. There's a yeah. lot of options. I mean, okay, fine. You want, let's talk about the three of them actually right now. Trade deadline. You're eight and a half games out of the division. You're four and a half out of a wild card spot. Team clo- needs a closer. They call you up and they say, here, we're going to give you our number one prospect for Chapman. He's a starting pitcher who can help you probably next year or maybe the year after. Are you trading Chapman knowing that he's a free agent at the end of the year and you will have the opportunity to... To just resign him anyway, hmm. or would because then you get a pro, at least you'll get something for him, and then at the end of the season, of course, you could just resign him. I mean, I mean, it's, or would you rather just see them sign him now and just call it a day? I mean, it's tough because even if they lose Chapman, they'll still have Miller and Batances for the rest of the season, the right? I, Which was so, fine last year. Yeah, Worked that was fine. fine last year. And also, Batanzas is the future closer. Oh, the absolutely. The fact of the matter is Miller's Batanz- just... Miller's done at the end of the year, I believe. I think his contract's up. Uh, if I, it's either the I end of this was, year or next year. I thought it was three years, so it could be next year. Okay, so either way, you're going to have at least Batanzas still around next year. And you could bring Chapman back another year. That's true. Yeah. So, fine. You mentioned Batanzas a little bit. Does the uh, Dave Robinson situation uh, fear you a little bit when it comes to Batanzas or no? The situation where Rivera tore his ACL and KC. Roberts came in and looked horrible as a closer. And he was the oh, Robinson. Yeah. Robinson. He was the deemed, quote-unquote, next guy up behind Rivera. And even the following the year after Rivera retired, Robinson was struggling. And he lost that See, job I, quick. I think the issue with Robertson is that Robertson doesn't have lights-out stuff. Like, he was a guy that he had to pitch. He, he had to hit his spots. And right. when he didn't... He, was he ended who, up had to being like Houdini. He, he had to work his way out of and jams. And he always was. No yeah. and he always did it. And yeah. the key was that he always did, but he always did it in the eighth inning. And then out of nowhere, ninth inning, and it just, it just something didn't, yeah, didn't work. Something just didn't work out. But the thing with Patances is that, like I said, he has lights out stuff. <laughs> you He could go in there one game and throw nothing but fastballs. And, you know, he's going to be tough to hit. You mix in the 86-mile-per-hour slider that he has or – what, what is it? Is it curveball, maybe? Slider. Slider, uh, curveball. Who no, really knows the difference? Yeah, I mean, the... I mean The, <laughs> the pitch that goes these day, in motion. <laughs> these days, the slider and curveball basically drop the same wet right, right now. So you can't really tell. But, I mean, like, you know, Batances has the stuff to be a closer. I mean, Miller's the same exact way. He's two pitches. Chapman's two pitches. I mean, you, you know, you don't really count a changeup as, as a pitch, really. You know, it's... Because you, you're always... Fastball, breaking ball, changeup. Right. That's usually the blueprint for any reliever. You have to have a changeup. That way they're not looking for that pitch that breaks, and they're not looking for the 105-mile-per-hour heater. Right. You throw in that, like, 92, like, look, like look that at, 85 to 92. Look at Syndergaard. He's got a 99 to 101-mile-an-hour fastball. Yeah. He's got a 98-99 sinker. Yep. And then he drops an eighty mile per hour curveball. <laughs> that that that's a 
you it's hard to do exactly that. Yeah. I, I mean you, you know you know that nowadays you're just you're not gonna find another Mariano Rivera you're right. not gonna find a closer welcome to the w- world of throw, everybody else <laughs> that can throw one pitch consistently and the players know that it's coming look, and they still can't hit it look at look at familiar he has three pitches he has a he actually has four if you really want to look at him he's got a splitter a sinker a fastball, and he has a slider he developed towards the end of last year that he just keeps in his back pocket and says, I need one more pitch. Maybe this guy will swing at it, you know, kind of a waste me it, pitch. That, it, it's like his it, it's like his uh, 2-2 pitch. Eh, I don't really want to throw the one fastball. Or one 1-2 two, one two yeah. pitch. Yeah, 1-2 pitch, you know. It's his throwaway pitch that that has enough yeah. movement where it looks like it's going to It's coming straight that, at you, oh, and yeah. then it could just drop. You know, again, Or it could ball. just be like, or it could look like it's coming across the middle of the plate and then just drop out. Okay. Um, we've talked CC a little bit. So there's another old guy on the team, not named Dayron. Carlos Beltran. No. No? Not Who's, not Carlos? No. Carlos Beltran's having a pretty decent year. I'm He's having that. a fantastic year. He leads of the Yankees in home year. runs and RBIs. Take it from experience. It's a contract year. I know what it's like to have Beltran in a contract. We traded him for Zach Wheeler in his contract year. Oh no, I know, but but I'm saying still, like you know, you don't expect a guy to still hit that well at his age, you right? Know? But the biggest question, the biggest problem right now is that, in my opinion, for the Yankees, is Greg Bird is out for the season because oh Mark God, yeah. Teixeira has been. It's sad. It's actually sad. I was so so upset. I was like, Greg Bird's gonna be on the roster, or he's gonna be the first call up when somebody gets hurt. This is fantastic. The few like everything's just starting to turn around because the Yankees have that core that they're building around again. Right, they have that young core. I I you know, said you, a couple of weeks ago. You figure you have Dan. Didi Gregorius, you have Starlin Castro, Greg Bird, Aaron Judge, and and then you can throw Batanzas' name in there as your yeah, next. Batanzas, Evaldi, Heathcott, even uh, what's his name? Sanchez, right? The that's the catch. The that's catcher, the big yeah. catching prospect. Yeah, that's the. Pen- you know, like they, who they was have... called up a couple weeks ago. I think he got sent back down. But, yeah, but he was called up. Well, a like, couple that, weeks ago. like that's the thing. The Yankees always have a way of even when they're uh, at like the downturn of one era, they always have that new era like it, waiting in the wings. Right, fans just have to be patient and wait for it to develop. It's, that's what it comes down to. Like you know. Yankee fans grew. Yankee fans, we know that grew up. We grew up as champion, 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 champion at all times. Do yeah, what it they, takes. They, they missed the entire time frame. They were too young where, when Jeter first started coming up, and you know, Manning, the end of Manningly. So yeah, from Jeter, Posada, ba- basically ninety five. They they didn't start following until ninety six. Well, ninety four, right. nobody was there. Right, ninety four, nobody was there. Nobody really no, knew. No, I mean because of the strike. Well, there was half a season. Yeah, but still. <laughs> but still. Um, but are you, are you, does it upset you watching this era play at this point? I mean, it, does it upset me? Not not really. I mean, his you knew what you got. he's still great. And you knew what you were getting when you got him. Yeah, you figure he's a guy that'll hit about 240, probably hit like 30, 25, 25 to 30 home runs and drive in 100 runs. Right. Which is really what you need. What. All at the time, was, all, at the time was a perfect pickup. It just you, yeah. you also knew that that was going to be a contract to come back and hurt you. Well, 
you know, that's basically how the Yankees work. They they, they get end up that, getting contracts that hurt them. But I help mean, them now. They're more yeah, of a, let's, they're let's a, pay them a lot a, now. Let's go now and then worry about it later. And right. maybe we could dump them off to somebody else. Right. Um. So, what is your idea for sec- for first base? Would you want to see them call Aaron Judge up and say play first base? Because he has in his past. He has in the minors played first base because it's been like an idea in their heads. You know, just to get him like into an idea. And he's done it in spring. He did a little bit in spring. So would you want to see him at, at this point? Would you want to tell the sheriff to be like, listen, go on to the save list. Go, and we're going to call the judge I, up. I mean, I'm... Greg Bird's per- the future first Personally, baseman. I'm going to say no because because the fact that Greg Bird is the future first baseman. But that's the thing. The Next- last thing that you need is Aaron Judge to come in, be extremely comfortable at first base, and all of a sudden you have a logjam at first base when Greg Bird is healthy. And it's oh. like Greg Bird is, is uh, what's his, uh, what was it, Pepitone, right? Yeah. Who's um, the, he's Pepitone before he even became Pepitone. Right. Um, but here's the thing with Judge. You go to him and you go, listen, for this year you're playing first base. Beltron's off the books next year. You're moving a right field. Bird's going to first base. There you go. You already have this. the plan set for next year that Bird's in right. and Bird's at first and Judge is in right. So why not let Judge just – because you, you know what? You don't know what Bird's going to be like coming back. He got late in, he got hurt in the middle of spring, so for all you know, he may need a little, couple of weeks. Yeah. So you have Judge lined up right there. He can fill in as that first baseman for a couple of weeks. So at least to bring him up, you're seven games out of the division. You're four games out of a wild card, I believe it was, or vice versa, one or the other. No, no, it's, uh, I think they're seven out now because they lost today. It is seven out of the division at this moment and four and a half out of the wild card. See to me the the issue is Boston one tonight, so the issue isn't that um do I wanna see Judge up here? I do. But the the issue is more of a do we wanna put him up here at a position that he may or may not play well in, you know? Like I'd rather keep it where our other first basemen are. I think it's a combination of Romine, McCann, or Headley. Depending on how it goes that day, honestly, I don't. I completely forget who our backup infielder is right now. Dustin Ackley. <laughs> oh yeah, they have Ackley. That's right. I I don't know how I forgot that. And Ackley plays basically he's not everywhere. That good. <laughs> yeah, but he plays everywhere. So you know, when he got called up, I remember when he got called up. He was like the number one second baseman prospect in baseball. And now he's a utility player. And now and now he's a utility guy who bats about two fifty. With no power, <laughs> I oh, I thought he had a couple of home runs this year. He does have a couple of home runs, but that's because he plays at Yankee Stadium. Oh, that's fair. That's, <laughs> he that, he that, plays at Yankee Stadium. That's fair. I, I Lefty, home, you and I can fork. over and go yeah. play in Yankee Stadium and hit home runs. Let's face facts. Yeah, no, that's that's true. Dave, David writes eleven homers away from tying Daryl Strawberry for the Met all-time record. He's happy we have two games in Yankee Stadium for him to have short porches. <laughs> Even even for a right-handed hitter, he can hit him out there. Well, yeah, I mean, it's a lot Jeter shorter hit. than City Field. <laughs> I mean, Jeter hit a lot of his home runs out there. Right. So Jeter's not exactly a power hitter. Well, David Wright's not exactly a uh, an opposite field hitter anymore. He's David not a, Wright's not exactly a, 
a hitter that much. You know, you know what's scary? I was talking to Vin about it, and David Wright's going to go down as the best New York Met offensively probably ever. He owns the hits record. Which is funny because of how awful he's been during the, past the second. Couple of years. Yeah. This past couple of years, he's just been down. Now he's got the spine issue, and like it's crazy that he's going to probably – Vin said – Don Mattingly, that was who he compared David Wright to. Hopefully with a ring, though. Hopefully we get David a ring. They are giving out replicas of the 86 one so someday, the, so we could so, just give so him that Finn's one. So Finn's saying that David's going to be the just David bare, Wright's going to be the guy that led the team for, what, like over a decade, walked almost, away with I believe nothing. it's 11 or 12 years now. Walked away with nothing, and then the team... And then the new guy leads we'll them at, to success. No, we're hoping that this year gives him that ring and then he can retire. Because let's think about it. Think about this if this was your day, if you were a baseball player. Uh-huh. Seven o'clock game. Yeah. He has to be at the ballpark. At like one, right? At 11. 11, right. In the morning. Right, yeah. Just to get massaged. Yep, massage, meetings. Mas- there's no meeting. There's no <laughs> yeah, meeting? No. Massaging. He takes... He used to take 50 ground balls before every game. He takes 10 now. He used to take 30 swings in the cage before every game. Takes he takes like 15. 15. 15. Mm. And that's a good day. <laughs> yeah, I can't play every day. He's not an everyday player anymore. Like, look at this week coming up. The Mets have the Mets have Saturday Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday night. And then they're playing 1.30, 7 o'clock, 1.30. How, wow. how, how does he play... Against the White Sox next Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Does he play at all? Or does he sit Are they at City Field? Yeah. Or? yeah. Oh, that's too bad because I would just say just make him the DH in Chicago. It's fine. Nope, there and and Kershaw sat Sunday night, so he may not even oh, play God. He may sit versus Kershaw. <laughs> oh, let some man. other guy suffer. Oh no. Let some other guy feel bad make him feel bad against Kershaw and And yeah. by that other guy you mean Campbell. <laughs> no, Cam you know what? Campbell's our first baseman. Lucas Dude is hurt, and Campbell is the first baseman. I'll do, tell you do what. Do you want to see them take a look at Dominic Smith, though? Uh, I mean, you're. I, I mean, you know me and my let's go in the same. Let's go in the same factor here. I mean, you just asked me the same thing about Aaron Judge. Here, okay, I'm going to give you the difference though between Dom Smith and Aaron Judge. Aaron Judge is in AAA. Dom Smith is 20 games into his AA career. Okay. Okay. He also. I don't remember what Judge did. I think he came out of high school. I don't think he went to college either. But Dom Smith was a college, uh, high school first-round pick who had work that needed to be done. Mm-hmm. The, everybody said it, coming out. Yeah, A lot of talents there. Glove was there. Defensively, he's there. Bat, bat isn't ready for the major league yet. I think he's the rest of this year in AAA, then... Middle of next year, ask me again. This year in Double AMA. See, but let's say that dude is out for a while. Let's say that I dude have is confidence done for the year. The way the way Eric Campbell's been playing. Now this is a guy that Vin and I would have arguments about. How bad? Scary part was is that we agreed. We had agreeing arguments about how badly this guy can't make the team. We thought of every single person, other person that could be on this team. Nick Swisher got cut. We wanted him, Mike. 
the blink we wanted the Mets to have Nick Swisher just to make sure Eric Campbell wasn't making this team. Guy made the team. Guy has the guy had a sack fly the other day in on uh, the first game in Washington. He, I believe, he had the RBI that that made it two nothing yesterday on Steven Matz's start. The guy, the guy playing every day is giving me a new perspective. He's got a solid first baseman. He is a solid first baseman, and also. He's doing. He's hitting enough for a a seventh hitter. Let's put it that way. He's our seventh hitter, and he's hitting enough for for a seventh. I mean, but that that's the thing. He's not going to give us thirty home runs like Lucas Duda. Of course not. No, of course not. But, but that's why I was saying, you know, why wouldn't you just take a shot at Smith anyway? Because you, know, let, you don't want to like, screw up his confidence. He, yeah, but let's think about it this way. Say that he's. Say that you guys are having a. Uh, say that the Mets are having a homestand. Where they're playing the Braves. No, I still wouldn't bring him up here. You wouldn't bring him up? No. I wouldn't use an option like that. It would waste an option. Because what if he struggles and you send him back? That's an option out of his contract. Why waste the option? That's, that's why, true. Why that's do true. it now when you may need him in the middle of next year when Lucas Duda's in a contract year and you have that shot of having to send him back? Okay, how about him. this? In September, Duda's still not back. Do you give him a shot then? Well, first off, I don't think Dom Smith's on the forty. I don't. Right. I don't that believe would, it. That would, that would probably, be a factor, yeah. of course. Um, if the division's clinched and he's on the forty, then yeah, right. Then I I would let him play a game. You know, you're playing the Braves and the we have a series versus the Twins, middle of September at home. You know. Yeah. The if other. The, the other division's already team. clinched. Yeah. Division's already clinched. You might as well. If ever, if it's clinched and you don't have to worry about it, I mean, but give them e- a chance. But even if the division's not clinched, like let's say that they're like well, four games up on Washington. Well, Wilmer Flores is coming back on Friday from the disabled list, and he's been playing every rehab game at first base. <laughs> and I actually have confidence in Wilmer Flores when he plays every day. See, it's kind you gotta of realize. funny how you know you take a guy that's in the bench role who doesn't seem to do too good, and you give him everyday starts. Like look at Aaron Hicks. Yeah. Aaron Hicks was awful, awful in his starts before A-Rod got hurt. Terrible. Couldn't right. hit anything. When A-Rod went down with the injury, they moved Beltron to DH. Hicks got more at-bats, and Hicks started playing better. I mean, it like all, all those bench players need is just some more time. They just need to get right. out there more, and then they'll well, succeed. Well, that turns into the thing that the Mets have been talking about. Now that Duda is officially on the DL and they're thinking four to six weeks at least, was uh, Conforto to to first. No. Conforto to first. He's played it in the past. No. That's why. So Lagares plays more. Yeah, but. Then you have two gold glove. You have, ideally, Granderson won a gold glove in his career. So that's three gold glove outfielders. But here's the thing. If Conforto takes first base well, no. you no longer need Lucas Duda. Well, here's and you the thing. no longer need him, Conferto to play the outfield. Well, here's the thing. Granderson is one year left Yep. after this. Cespedes is a question mark because he has his he's only player, on that one year. Right? He's got a player opt-out yeah. at the end of the year, and he's going to be the best outfielder slash youngest outfield free agent. At so we end. all know he's going so to he, opt out he, again. He may opt out and want more money, you know. But you know what? He looks like he's having a good time. So, you know, honestly, I didn't think we were going to sign him this offseason. So who knows? That, I mean, that, that, really, that we got time. Really, if you think about it, 
Cespedes really took advantage of the fact that a National League pitchers don't know him. They they don't know him. Right. So they're actually willing to pitch to him. And the was- American League learned you don't pitch to Cespedes ever. You don't give him something that he can hit. There, there He'll was an it. article. I forgot who wrote it. I read today um, about how good he's become at learning the game and adjusting. If it, when the pitchers start to learn him, he adjusts to the yeah. pitchers that they're throwing him and can hit them out of the park. Yeah, it, it was twice this year. He literally flicked his wrist and the ball went out of the park. And it's like at City Field, not even at like some small little ballpark. This well, was City Field. I, I mean, he did. I mean, you. I personally thought that. City Field would be a great place for him after he won the home run derby. Though. Well, I was there watching him, and as soon as that last ball hit the bat, I said, "Man, we can leave now." <laughs> I said, "Let's go. We gotta walk. We gotta walk from the uppers to the lowers to get out of here. Let's go." But by the time we stood up, the ball was gone. So, I mean, it, it's really funny about Cespedes, though, because you know you think about it, and the Mets have always want like Mets fans have always wanted that one guy that that's a must balls. see at bat. At City Field. The Yankees have had that for years, whether it be Jeter, A-Rod. Right. You know, like, they've had that. Well, they no had it with what. David. They had it with Wright for a while. But, yeah, but, but he, Wright, he Wright it was always it a hit off. or mess with him. Yeah, right. but Cespedes, every at-bat is, is he going to hit it 365 feet? Right. Or is he going to hit, like, a, a bases-clearing double to give them a 5-4 lead to set things up for Familia? Right, like Cespedes is that guy that there, you can't miss, and there was you a don't, week. you never get that. There was a week where Cespedes missed, and Vin and I were here recording a podcast. Um, it was our show with Alyssa Rose on it, and I remember we were done with her. We were watching the game. He wasn't even he he puts tape around his wrist. Didn't even have it on. They show him in the dugout putting the tape on. It was the ninth. Ninth batter was up. We needed a pitch hitter. Putting tape on, putting the tape on. Grabs his helmet, grabs his bat. Of course, they all said all day, no way Cespedes plays it all tonight. No way, no chance. Comes up, one pitch, out of the ballpark, runs the bases, goes back in the locker room. His day is over. He just made a grand. <laughs> to put tape on his wrist and call it a day. So, but to answer your question about Dom Smith, no. He's not. He's too young. He's 20. Yeah, that's he's like twenty twenty one. I'm not ready for it. Um, I mean, you, you guys caught lightning in a bottle with Conferto. So right. Yeah. And look at and look at who our options. Look at who the options were. What options? We we had Kadire. <laughs> right. It was Kadire. John Mayberry Jr. was on the team at the time. Conforto was the next guy. At least we can say Flores. We know when he hit when he gets the at bats, he can hit. Campbell's been playing better now than he hits. So that's right. They have the guys that can. Conferto was called up after the the first no hitter, right? Last year. Yeah, the, the first time when uh, when uh, what's his name from the Giants no hit him, he was called. Conforto was called up the week before the trade deadline. Yeah, so it was long after that. Right. Yeah. But that was like their low. That was the Mets' low point that year. Right. That year. was like that man. was. We need to do something to fix our offense because our pitching has our pitching isn't gonna be happy if our offense can only produce two runs a game. Right. Alrighty. Um, with that being said, we're gonna go play a little more even right now with Division One Point One, and we're gonna be right back to talk some Islander hockey. The S and D podcast is in no way affiliated with, associated with, produced, or endorsed by Major League Baseball or any of its affiliates.
Welcome back to episode 140 of the S&D Podcast Show. Once again, that was Division 1.1 with Heaven from United We Brawl, their new album. Uh, we're going to use their new songs for a little while just so you guys can hear them. Uh, and also, three and a half years of using the old songs, we might as well use some new ones. Anyway, um, with that being said, uh, we just talked Yankees. Now we're going to talk about the other sport team Bone and I love talking about, and that's hockey. Hockey, 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 hockey. So why don't you tell everybody a little bit about how you're basically a founding member of the BOA. Oh, and how you, you got... <clears throat> tell everybody the, the, the cliff note version of story of you joining the... B, you, you helping find the BOA. All right, so basically the group started when... We weren't even a group. We weren't even anything. It was just my brother, um, our friend Westfall... You know, few of my brother's other friends they were sitting there in section 329 they were just being loud obnoxious having fun yelling whatever they want because that's what you do at hockey games you just yell whatever you want there's really no limit to anything but then we found out later that there apparently is a limit uh but anyway so then um myself and pinhead went over we were because we were already over there we were right. in loudville only because the tickets are really cheap. But right. we would always just mess with them as well, join in on it. And then eventually it just grew into the Blue and Orange Army, where you know we just decided that we should become more organized, we should become a more cohesive unit, and you know who knows, we'd actually be able to do something productive and have like some of the chants and stuff that we come up with catch on and grow into something. And it kind of did with the Yes chant and... Apparently the Josh Bailey chant, which is about as over as it could be for a guy that is so... <laughs> all right, I think Josh Bailey is the John Cena of, of the Islanders. That guy gets a mixed reaction. Right, well... He's either loved or he's hated. There's no, like, middle ground. And the people that hate him, it's like blind hate, you know? Like, they're like, uh, well, he doesn't produce. And it's like, hockey player, like... You don't need to produce every night. You don't need to be a player well, look that at, produces look at, like four goals, three assists every night. Look at the hatred that w went for him when he was returning for the Tampa series, and then yep. he put up two goals. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then he's like, hey, everyone who hates me, shut up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Times two. <laughs> Twice. <laughs> um, alrighty, so the move was made to Brooklyn, and how did you feel about the move? Start from Start from... Start from early in the year. Were you were you afraid of the move? Were you excited for it? A little bit of y both. Y you know, I was like anxious and nervous about it because here we are. We're bringing in a whole bunch of new people into the group for the first time because we we united with hardcore. <laughs> you know, and so my first thought is, are these people actually going to bring it? Are these people going to be loud, have fun, be able to join in with our shenanigans i love that word shenanigans but mm -hmm. but anyway you know like are we still gonna have the same atmosphere that we did at the coliseum right like there, there or, won't be a match to the to the final year of the coliseum exactly especially towards in the playoffs we're never gonna be able to match that there were games that like who you, it's hard to all, explain we all grew up together right during the final years at the coliseum so, like, it just felt weird, you know? Because, like, you're bringing in pe new people that you're like, I, I don't know about this, you know? 
Like, what if they come in and everything just changes and it just becomes a hardcore versus blue and orange army kind of stuff where right. it's like, oh, well, at hardcore we do this, but at the blue and orange army they do that. And right. It's like, you know, like you, you, you might have a turf war before the thing even starts. Right. Or you're going to have people that are that look down upon us for having fun, but they're only there because it's cheap tickets. That's their go-to. Right. You know, so luckily season as goes the year progresses. as the year progresses, everybody comes out of their shell. Right. I mean, you know, there was a grace period probably before yeah, the new year. Grace period. Actually, it was like before probably around like November because November was when we had that long stretch of games. Right. When once, we were once the always home games there. started coming yeah, in. Yeah, once we were there on a consistent basis, right. everybody kind of started to feel comfortable with each other. You know, Pinhead and I would do our usual shtick of just saying whatever the heck we wanted to right. and seeing who gets offended and who doesn't, and then we'd right. just laugh anyway. You know, but basically, everything just slowly started to go into form. And we started to grow as a unit. We became more cohesive. Everybody was on the same page. There was no more. There was no more of a uh, con- conflict of chance where somebody's starting the "Hey Josh Bailey" chant when a he's not even on the ice, right? And b we're about to start a John Tavares chant, <laughs> who is on the ice. But you know, like sure, there were a few moments when that happened too. My favorite is whenever somebody would start the Josh Bailey chant, and I'm like. Well, let's see. It's already been about a minute and a half. He's been out there for the line change should be coming. Oh, there it is. <laughs> right. You first realize it too late. You always have those. But you know what? It, as the year progressed, like you said, it, you, everyone got in rhythm. Everyone yeah, kind of figured it out. And, and that's what happened. It, 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 just, it just became really special because, you know, we got to witness history. All of us that were there from the get-go, right. this, this is like our crowning achievement. Like, this is like we grew – we conquered. We got past the first round. Mm-hmm. We're ready for the next season. We're ready to continue to make progress. Because to me, right now, as of this moment, you know, get me back to the playoffs. If we get past the first round again, great. You know, depending on the matchup, I'll, I'm very ecstatic about getting past the first round. Right. Get past the second round. That's that should be the main goal. Right. You got to get past the second round. Get past round one. Get past round two. Well, the main goal, of course, is the the cup. Oh no, but I mean, like as main, a main rule a Ma- as main a progression main... standpoint, you know, because like you know, I'm one of those few fans that doesn't. Let's go step expect, by step. Yeah, I I don't expect success overnight. Right. I don't expect like the, I don't expect the team to be like the Mets where they miss the playoffs then they get to the World Series. Right. You know, it's 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 been a gradual build. It's been slow. But, you know, unlike the Edmonton Oilers build rebuild, which is still going on strong oh, since it took what, us, what, 1987. Nine years? Right? Yeah, that sounds about right. No, they made the finals in was it 05? They played the Hurricanes. Oh, that's right. That's yeah. right. Okay. All so, right. So since then. All right. So since 05, yeah. uh, where they've made what like 12 first round First Number overall one picks. picks, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, like at least you're witnessing progress. Right, we see it. The the we we it took. Yes, when Tavares first came here, we knew we were going to be bottom dwellers. We still knew we yeah. were going to still be it. But then we started seeing the guys we were drafting. Yeah, they weren't coming in right away. But what we saw, saw, they the were talent. building. Right, they built from within, and that 
like that's what the Royals did. The Royals took all their years of being terrible, built themselves up, right? And Let them grow in the minors. Ninety-five percent of their roster right now played in the minors together. With yeah, played in their system, and like that. That's the Islander. Like that's the key to long-term success. Right, and you know what? The Mets are doing the same thing. Yeah, almost minus. Okay, they traded for Wheeler. They traded for for Syndergaard. Fine, but the thing those is, those guys that, were both. Like I said, you, right you need to find pieces. You you go outside the system to find pieces where put in the you system. know you have holes. Like the the right. Mets obviously needed some more pitching depth when they made those trades, and they're like, these are two top young prospects that we can take advantage, and we know that we're going to have roster spots there for them. Right. It's their spot in the rotation to lose. Which. Who was, I actually found this out the other day, it was on Mets Insider this year, they recapped that trade, kind of had the guys talking about it. He, uh, initial trade was not including Syndergaard. Yeah, it was uh, was for the third base prospect. No, no. No? No. It was basically the entire trade minus Syndergaard, and Alderson said, throw this Noah Syndergaard kid in there and you have a deal. And they said yes. Really? And that was how the trade was Because what I heard by watching the Yankee games this past week is that what they were trying to figure out in the Blue Jays camp was that basically the Mets had given them two options to as their add-on. It was either Noah Syndergaard or their third baseman prospect. I think it was Jet Larry. No, not no, Larry. no, it wasn't. It wasn't Larry. I forget his name off the top of my head, but it came down to those two guys. But yeah. the Blue Jays were so high on this third baseman mm-hmm. that they were like, all right, we'll give you Syndergaard. So obviously, if you think about it, if the Mets were looking for that third baseman prospect, they must have figured that David something, was, have, yeah, something, something was going, was on, going with on with the right well, that the they way, had to Well, when try. the trade was made, when the trade was made, that was before David's big contract. So once they didn't get that prospect, you were able to give David the contract saying, all right, you are now officially the third baseman. You, you at the time could have been like, all right, you're a free agent. Have a good time. Yeah, exactly. But he was the, he was the he, let's face it, he was the star at the time. Yeah. He was the face. But again, they drafted Harvey. They drafted Conforto. They drafted Dom Smith, you mentioned earlier. Yeah. Uh, Ligares was in the system. Uh, Flores has been in the system since he's 16. I the mean, guy's 24 now. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the Islanders draft, you know, that year, 09, they brought in, like, at, Calvin, in it was Dahan. three guys. Yeah, Dahan, Tavares, and I think, what was the last one? There was a, no, 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 Hammer, Hammer was, was a different the, draft. Yeah. Um, In 2009. Dahan, I mean, yeah, it was Dahan, JT, and. There was another one, but. I think it was in. It, Casey. Was it, Casey, Casey, Casey was was, Casey was the sixth. Brock was the thirtieth pick, like the year after or two years after. Okay, because I know that there there was actually like four people from that. No, no, because wasn't was Hickey part of that draft that went and went to Hickey was not part of that draft. Hickey was, I believe, either the Akposo or the Bailey draft, where he went number four overall, or maybe a couple years after. I don't even recall. Um, I know that they have like. like four or five guys on their roster now who were that was from draft. that draft. The 2010 draft included Ryan Strom, oh, Alan Quine, and Shane Prince. All four of them. And Hickey wasn't in that draft, so I know that. Cause oh, who's the fourth? You it said was all Strom. three of them. All yeah, three of them, okay, I meant. Okay. They had the 2010 line playing together in the playoffs. And actually, Quine, 
Quine was part of that draft. Yes, Quine was part of the draft. Drafted Didn't by someone sign else. with the Red Wings. Right, and became a free agent when the Islanders the, picked up. No, they redraft. He went back into the draft. Right, and because, the Islanders yeah. were able to get him. Um, and then uh, and Shane Prince was also part of that draft. And so is Trump. So they had that line together in two thousand in uh in, in the, the playoffs, playoffs in, yeah. the, in the Panther series. Um, so let's see. Kyle's gone, most likely, right? Because yeah. yeah. I don't know about you, but I'm not he, paying seven and a half million. For I'm not him. paying him six and a half. I'm not paying him a dollar. I'd pa- <laughs> I'd pay six million. Six and a half is probably my ceiling, because re- really, I mean, you wanted your oh your top winger. If you want to call him that, right? You want your top winger to be the one-two punch with John Tavares, and you know you may have seen that points-wise, but on the ice, it it didn't look that way. You didn't really see it. Like look at the Johnny was still crowded. He was still suffocated by defenders. Right, and and like in the playoffs, it kind of just Tavares took over the Panther series. Let's face it, Tavares Tavares was the Tavares we drafted in the Panther series. Oh yeah, no, it it was Tavares and. Grice, that that was the only reason why they won that series. And then John Tavares willed his way to that series, and then Hedman shut him down in round two. Right, and he showed that he needed that guy to be able to. He has the puck. Hedman's about to hit him, throw the puck to him. Postal couldn't. He had one goal in that series. I, I think he had eleven points in the playoffs, but it was a quiet uh, secondary assist to Tavares. The, the, yeah, Tavares I, had I a big series real, in the first series, so Akposo has a. The big real series. issue with Akposo is that Akposo. Like, he can't really keep up with JT, and I think that was the big issue. And that is the same case with Molson. Right. You know, you have guys that Johnny develops chemistry with, but they they either lose a pep in their step along the way, let's, or like Parento, let's he face just it. decides, I'm just going to lose the puck along the way. But the fact is, I believe Parento is probably the best guy that he's played with. Because Tavares was able to just go to the net. Parento had hands and was able to pass the puck. Yeah, the only and, and speed. So he was able to skate with Tavares too. Nobody else has been able to skate with Tavares. Strom. Yeah, but even Strom struggled playing with him. I think they're too too much alike of a player, in my opinion, the that they that can't play together. I, I think who really played well on w- with John Tavares, honestly, to me, my my first option is Anders Lee. Lee. Yeah. Lee's that big body that, you know, will most likely be on the top line next year with John Tavares and whoever they bring in. Because Lee is the guy that everybody wants. He's that big body. He's the Matt Molson of today. He's the guy that will stand in front of that, take a beating, beating, deflect shots, pick up garbage goals. Mark Parrish? Mark Parrish. I knew it. Mark I Parrish. knew that's where you were I going said he, too. he's Mark Parrish. Look, yeah. look at how many shots Nick Letty took this year. That should have been a goal for Nick Letty. That and ended up being on their league goal because, oh, got deflected. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> and your sister loves Nick Letty. And every time he shot the puck, she's like, oh, look, Letty scored, Letty scored. I'm like, no, he didn't. Nope. <laughs> Anders Lee scored. Deflected by Lee. <laughs> Look off uh, his foot. That. Look off his stick. Off his face. <laughs> oh, yeah, my, my favorite was what? What was that? Like last, like one of the last games that we played in, Letty got a deflection goal. Yeah, he got the deflection. Yeah, goal. he got the deflection. <laughs> he got to play highway robbery for a change, which was interesting. But um, this the defense is set. Let's face the facts. The defense is a hundred percent set. Top six. The only question is. 
are, are the Islanders going to sign Brian Strait again? No. He's gone. His, <laughs> you, his, you his think about life it, you, is done. You have Letty Boychuk. Letty you Boychuk. have Dahan Hammer. You have Pulak, Pelik, Hickey, Mayfield. You know, like you have okay. you mentioned eight Hickey. defensemen. I mentioned Hick- this to the, the other day to uh, a friend of mine um, with Thomas Hickey. Something Thomas Hickey does great is step up in the play. Yep. Okay. He's very similar, if you want to think about it, to a Brent Burns type player. He is. A little bit less of not, a size. Not, of not a size. physical. Yeah. Right, right, right. Would you move Hickey up to a forward spot and let who's a guy who essentially becomes a penalty killer slash speedster fast so, so, good so, skater. So are you saying that do we make him the Mark Strite when he was on the Montreal Canadiens? Right. Basically basically move him up. You Don't know, we have one. enough of a log jam at forwards though? I think we have more of a log jam at defensemen. See, but but I because don't... think about it. Let's say, like we said, Oposo's gone. Yeah. Okay. Let's say they don't sign anybody. Okay. So now you have Tavares Lee. Yeah. And let's say Alan Quine. Let's say Alan Quine. Fine. That's your first line. Uh, your second line. Let's say fr- this includes Franz coming back. So now your second line. I mean, is I, th- I Fra- personally think Franzi is a guarantee. So do I. I think yeah. four and a half to five is so y- easy. You think the second line is probably going to be Franzi Bailey Coolwoman. Right. Because that's still, to me, that's the best defensive line that they could send out there. And, 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 and when put up numbers if they yeah, need Yeah, them. when they're on. I mean, right. Franzi's going to produce no matter what. And Franzi's but the type of guy Bailey you can move Kuhl- him up and down on lines all day. Exactly. And then your third line but has... Bailey ha- and Bailey and Kuhlman have such a great chemistry with Franzi, which is why they're they're always so much better on the ice with Franz Nielsen. Because Franz Nielsen makes everybody better. Right. Okay, so then your third line is now... Strom, Nelson, and Prince. Okay. Martin's gone. Martin's gone. Who's filling in Martin's role? Honestly, my well, first option, Mike Halmo. Well, I don't think Halmo's uh, an NHL, quote-unquote, player. I would rather move Thomas Hickey up because, let's face it, Clutterbuck's a, a third a third. I don't liner. really think Hickey has the size that's the to thing. be the fourth line, like if he's gonna play on a line with Clutterbuck and Sezikis, he's gotta have some sort of size. He, he hits I mean, enough. He has the physical presence, right? But I don't. I but think I don't, the other I two don't could think be he the can size. Wear there. them down, you know. Right, but I think he has enough energy to at least just kind of fill in on that role. Where I it's an option. That, but it's an I option. also, I also have a feeling that Martin ends up coming back. I kind of do too, but also let's say he doesn't and. You know, it's an option. Let's say we play a team that is... Let's say we play a team like the Blackhawks. Yeah. You know? Then you're basically dressing seven defensemen. See, now, is it bad that I personally would have rather have, like, Scott Mayfield on that line? No. Because Mayfield I wouldn't want Mayfield. I I think Mayfield's more of a solid defensive player who doesn't really step up as much. Hickey, Hickey, you always see step up. Hickey is involved Hickey can can make the play. Hickey can... Can skate. I think he has think, bailed out more people this year off of not back checking, off of right. bad giveaways than like anybody else. And people severely underrate Thomas Hickey because they're like, "Oh, Thomas Hickey's on his stomach in the defensive zone. What a surprise!" And it's like he just blocked four four <laughs> shots. He blocked four shots and then shot it down a, for an icing. He's taking a nap. Leave it, him alone, yeah, <laughs> including a slap shot from like Zdeno Chara. 
Leave him alone. Like, come on. Like, wh- what do you want from a guy like that? Like, what do you want? Um. So, like I was saying, you know, because I mean, then think about it. Penalty kill comes on the ice. Casey Franz takes a draw. Hickey's on his left wing. You have three Boy defensemen. Ch- you have three, three defensemen at all time. You could almost have three defensemen out. That's scary. Right. It 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 not only I mean, I, benefits you because I mean, you're getting that yeah. extra defenseman in a way, but he's also good enough offensively where you're okay with him being down low. As much as I actually am starting to agree with that idea, I just still don't know if the Islanders would do something like that. I think they they'll they're they'll feel like Hickey is better as that solid yeah, you know, five guy. Right, but also it also includes a something uh, a scenario where Pulak showed you he's not afraid to skate down into the corners, yeah. deep into the offense zone. Okay, Hickey's on the ice playing left wing. He moves back. You have a guy filling in. That's true. I I mean Calvin moves up. I mean like, Travis moves up. We always ask our offense our defensemen to be more offensive, right? We've yeah. always asked them to step up more. Oh, yeah. No, so absolutely. what's better than having a guy who we have full faith? Let's say Boychuk steps up. Do you have faith Boychuk's getting back on no. a two-on-one? Not, Hickey, not really. Hickey was playing left wing. He just got back in his playing defense. I mean, the funnier part is, though, is that then say that you're on a line change and you have Franz Nielsen out there with Hickey, then you have two guys that can easily get back on the back check and right. all of a sudden yeah. you're like, Wait, I thought it was a two-on-one. Now it's a two-on-three, and both got... You know, yeah, we like ha- I said, there's like a my lot whole of thing o- is that I'm not against Thomas Hickey being a forward. Up. It's just like... You think there's another is o- that, there's option. Is that the logical answer to it? Well, you also have to realize the call's eventually going to be in Brooklyn. Oh, no, absolutely. I know that. And I don't it- think it'll be this year, though. I think, but if he comes out, and if he has an amazing training camp, he's got to have an amazing training yeah. camp slash amazing two months in the minors because I think he's going straight to. Yeah, the no, I think he's going straight to the minors because they said he struggled when he came to the minors. This yeah, year. he's got to work up. So oh. he's got to work a little bit. Hosang, the talent's there. Oh the, yeah, the no, mind's no, got to be there. If the, yeah. the alarm clock goes off, literally, <laughs> literally, literally, mentally, everything like. I'm willing to buy him one. I know I know a lot of places that sell them. <laughs> I, I, I'm pretty sure John Tavares has already invested in having, like, 12 alarm clocks in Josh Hosang's room. <laughs> like, I th- it was Brian Compton and, uh, and Mike Carver who said it the yeah. best. They said, let's see him make it to the second day of training camp before we talk about him making the team next year. <laughs> yeah. And it's true, though. It is. It <laughs> like, is. It absolutely like, is There true. was a good chance. Like There was a lot of reports because apparently he had a good rookie camp last year. And I I was impressed by him in the rookie game. Me too. But there was a lot of reports that if he had a strong camp, he may have made the team out of camp last year. May he, have. But he didn't make it to the second day. No. Because he forgot to wake up. Yep. <laughs> I mean... The, the the easiest part of your day when it's training camp is getting up in the morning. Yeah. And he forgot to do that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but, but like, it's it's just weird because the Islanders have never been in this kind of position where you're like, okay, well, we're set defensively. And this is like, we're set we're defensively for like, for at least like four or five years. Because right. we also drafted... We had that one draft where we drafted all defensemen right. that were over 5'11". Right. And, and like we traded like Griffin 225. Reinhardt. And we traded one of them already. 
Griffin Reinhardt. That was the Griffin Reinhardt. Oh, that yeah. was that draft. Yeah. yeah. And then you have, you know, we're solid in in goal. Right. I mean, Grice has proved himself that he can be a number one. Right. Grice will be there. Barube, they said, Barube was the hardest had- working player on the team the entire season. So he'll probably be the backup goalie. Yeah. And you have confidence where he had a couple of games where, you know, he was scared. Yeah, but, but you have the you confidence had- in him to play games. Like the game where to. he played, like, what? I think he stopped, like, 40 shots. Like, th- th- somewhere, like, 38 to 40 shots and had a shutout victory. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. And then and then you have Gibson who played. You gave have up Gibson. one bad goal in Washington yeah. and won the game. Yeah. He gave up one goal that was, okay, Ovechkin just took a shot at me. I'm going to duck. Yeah. <laughs> that was what it came I mean, out to. I mean, you also have, like, Williams. Right. You the, have Sororkin overseas, Soderstrom. You know, you know everyone's like, really like let's deep. spend money this year, but we're a really deep team. The, like, I would, the only guy I want to spend a lot of money on is Stamkos. The only guy I will spend money on is Steven Stamkos. I mean, it, behind him, there's no the, real big free agent. So, other than that, it's you might as well. Or you're going to trade for another forward. Which or, would then be how you open up space from Holak. I mean, personally, I feel like I feel like the Islanders need to figure out what they're doing with their goaltending because as I'm much giving, as I love the fact that they had the depth this year, where one guy one guy fell down and the other guy came and picked up the slack right away, and I like the fact that we had two very solid goaltenders in. Halak and Grice. I mean, I do love Berube, but like they have to figure out: Are they gonna go with Halak, or well, are they gonna stay with Grice? Halak was very anti the three. Yeah, he was system. adamant about and he was not about. wanting the three goalie system. And again, this goes back to the SNY Point Blank podcast: Brian Compton and Mike Carver. Yeah. Um. Calgary Frames have been waiting for a number one goalie for the last four years, minimum. I think, I think at least Edmonton's still waiting too. Well, they're waiting for. A, they're waiting for a lot of. They're things. They're waiting for a lot of things. They have a top three pick. <laughs> Let them pick a goalie. <laughs> Calgary has three second round picks mm-hmm. and two third round picks. Mm-hmm. The Islanders don't have a pick in round two, and they don't have a pick in round three. You're telling me Yaro Halak isn't worth at a least a, th- a at least. A late third, a late second, and a late third. No, I'm not. Saying, I mean, I'm thinking that for a I team would... that that basically just needs a goalie at this point, they've traded for everything else. They have offense. They just can't stop the puck. Personally, I would. If we're trading Holak, I want it to be in the deal that gets us like that elite. Winger, Unfortunately, you know? the sports hernia surgery hurt us with the Halak trade. Yeah. So Colin Calgary saying, yeah. "You make the decision. We want to. We want one of your seconds and one of your thirds, or two of your th- seconds." I'm okay. With you make. You decide which ones. Because yeah. you know, you let them decide which yeah. picks they're going to give us. Halak is yours. That's fine. fine. Because be okay Halak will be ready for camp for them. Yep. We get and we get draft picks. Like cause you know how much Garcinol loves draft picks. Yeah, and you know already that Grice can easily be the number one. And Barube has shown that he can serve as a backup. Like, right. you you have your goalie system all set up. The only thing that you need to do is figure out who's going to play on Johnny's way. That's literally the number one issue. And that's going to be the biggest story this summer. And we will figure that out throughout the summer, hopefully. Um, How but- much would you spend on Stamkos, though? Oh, I did ask you this question yeah. before. All right. 
I'm going to give him because, again, back to the Point Blank podcast. This would what, be his, like, what, third, second or third contract? This is his big contract, basically, because this is his second contract. He got his rookie deal. He was drafted the year before Tavares. So he got the rookie deal and his first. And his first big contract. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. So basically, we have to please Tavares because he has two seasons left on his contract. On his $5.5 million contract. Right. Which is. Which we're still making bank on. Which is. (laughs) Between that and Hammer's contract, that's why the Islanders have so much money to play with. Right. And you got to realize the cap is going up. And you got to realize that Grabowski is most likely coming off the books. Somehow. And you got to realize you're gaining another four and a half if you move a lock before the draft or at so draft. So that's probably about nine million right there. Nine million there. there. Not even. There no, you go. you're not giving him nine. He's going to get Eight? more than nine. Oh, he's getting more. Oh, than he's nine. getting more than nine. He's getting more than nine. He's a he's a ten plus a year guy. What's our cap right now? I, like what? Where are we right now? In right to this. Cap? We're in the middle. Right in the middle. Like, no, I mean, like, how how far away are we from the ceiling? Before before the moves are made, I think we have about in the 10 to 15 range to spend. Then okay. we're going to make the moves. Okay. Then we got to make a couple of our guys happy, which, by the way, bomb uh, Brittany Grice. By the time you listen to this, we will know what the news is. Tweeted out, huge news coming tomorrow. So either she's pregnant. Or he got a new contract with the Islanders, one or the other. Which would be weird for him to get a new contract since he just got a... One year. Like he, no, it was a two-year, wasn't it? One, two? he only got, I believe he only had a one-year. I, I believe he's a restricted free agent. No, I think it was two because... Okay, so give him a long him term. The same deal, <laughs> they signed him for the same deal that they signed Chad Johnson for at first. Um, but still, she said there's big news coming. So either either by the time you listen to this, you'll know she's pregnant, or he has a new contract. That, and they, that, what and, else? Could and have, they found or, a house, or the, or he got <laughs> traded, or he got traded, and she's really excited for where they're going. I don't. Maybe. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe Grice has finally decided to take a vacation from playing hockey. I mean, maybe that's you know, just it. You know, she did talk about wanting to go to uh, somewhere, somewhere like really nice with. With him, so maybe, 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 maybe that's what it is. There. Maybe, <laughs> maybe that's what it is. Where is Thomas Grice's contract? Let's see here. Thomas Grice. Maybe he's opening up a restaurant. I don't know. <laughs> Playing career. Okay. To Grice, what? Uh, July two thousand fourteen. On the Penguins, blah blah blah. That was twenty fourteen. Two-year, $3 million contract. Told you. Two years. So he has another Maybe he got year. an extension. If he got an extension, that... Whatever. He got... That, s- to me, there's some sort of big news that Brittany but, Grice is tweeting but, but about. But to me, if that's if that's That the means big the news, trade's already that done with Halak. That, yeah, that Halak is already on his way out. And Garth Snow has decided that Thomas Grice, after the way he looked in the playoffs and the entire year, that Grice is the guy that... They're gonna roll with, I mean, hold at up. least to start the year. Yeah, at least to start the year. Okay, so back to the question. I'm giving Stamkos six for sixty. Six for sixty. Six for sixty. Give him ten a year. Incentives can make it like fifteen to twenty a year. You know, All Star MVP. So, you know those type of incentives. Now here, here's my question for you. Does that mean that you're willing to pay John Tavares 
more than that? Yes. Six for sixty-six. <laughs> yes, I'm willing to pay him. I'm willing to pay him six for I mean, ten. Let, I mean, let's. I'm willing to pay him seven for ten if he wants. I'm willing I, to give him. I'm willing to give him a blank piece of paper and say, "Here, you tell us what you want." I mean, want. let's be honest. At the end of the day, here, it's John Tavares's team. He's the one that's going to make. He's basically calling the shots when it comes to contracts, in my opinion, because. He realizes that it's not about his paycheck. It's about, it's about winning. Right. And he cares more about winning, and that's the kind of captain that you want. You don't want a guy like Taze and Kane who each have $10 million or Crosby and Malkin. Well, here's who, the thing with, you know? the, with the Blackhawks and the, the Pens. They're pay, they paid their big guys. They bring in other guys, and they just succeed. And, and it's because of those big guys they bring in the other guys. If we have Tavares and... And Stamkos. And Stamkos. And we who, have who our would, guys that's all that are already there. You could you could put Hosang and the call on the third line and it won't matter. Yeah, really. I think the only <laughs> thing that we really have to worry about this year, aside from that, I think who is it? I, I wanna say either Nelson or Strom is up. Nelson is the one guy I'm willing to le- let go. Because he's just looks like a giant buffoon out yeah, there. Yeah, he he, he had, doesn't use his huge body. He had a very Strom's in a show me year. Strom's in a Strom's in a show me year. Strom's got to come out and have. You know, I think a, I think it's Strom's contract that's up because he gets they had the they had Nelson they had the last argument year. with Nelson last year. Yeah, they had the thing with Lee the year before. Yeah, so I think well I think it's Strom this time. I think it's Strom's year. And uh, he's in a show me here. And Staples said that Strom is the type of person where if you call him out and you, you make him feel like he didn't do something well, he's going to be in the gym every day. And, and he's going to get better. And you know what? Let's see it. We'll see it on the ice. I, we, I mean, October, you kind of saw, saw it this year whenever he was scratched. You always saw a good com- game out of yeah. it. Yeah. And you know what? The schedule is basically... You basically were told around October 15th will be around the opening of the season next year. I'm, I mean, we already know the preseason, the preseason schedule. schedule so a lot I of guess, rivalry games. You know, they always keep travel short during the NHL preseason. You yeah, really no, but like, no, but I mean, like, usually, you know, you expect I feel like Philly, it's the same Washington. Three, four teams that we play. Rangers, Devils, Philly, Washington. No, but we never, we almost never play the Rangers in the preseason. Not it's since Montoya. No, I mean, not true. since the Montoya Di Pietro. But you know what? It's a lot different now with the Brooklyn and New York City thing. Oh yeah, That's no, I, I know. But like, I, I honestly expected the Bruins again. I mean, I mean, that's kind of just how it works out. We'll see the in Bruins June are that we odd open team. the season with because that's when it's going to matter when the season matters. And uh, with that being said, Timo, thank you very much for joining us this week. This was a wonderful time. Uh, we will definitely do this again. Hopefully, by, probably by the end of the summer, we'll have Ho- you back. Back. Hopefully, not after another 139 episodes. If you're, you know what? If that's the case, <laughs> I will be very happy because that means we did another 139 episodes. That's fair. Dan and I, Dan and I will probably be very happy. That's you fair. heard it. You heard it here. Breaking news: T-Bone will be on in 139 episodes from now. <laughs> All right, so we have like three more years to hit another 139 episodes. Wow. <laughs> well, with that being said, we're going to go play a little more Division 1.1. Don't forget, you could listen to us on iTunes, SoundCloud. Uh, that's about it. Um, I think Google Play has us now Now that we're on SoundCloud. Um, so go check us out. Uh, also, all your other podcast apps that you have, you can search us on Google, S&D Podcast Show. Follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Instagram. Like us on Facebook. Rate, comment, 
be nice to us and also buy our t-shirts we have a lot of them uh they come in all sizes so just message us and we will get that out to you so with that being said a little more division 1.1 heathen and we'll see you guys in a couple weeks the S&D podcast is in no way affiliated with, associated with, produced, or endorsed by the National Hockey League or any of its affiliates.